Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The pandemic is part of it. Policy is part of it. San Francisco, New York City. It sounds good. Bail reform. Let's not just lock up people forever uh, and make them sit for months or even longer before a trial date. But you do too much, too fast. You get what's happening there and then across the country in New York City. Mm. People are being arrested, but they can't be kept in jail. It's a problem, and we'll keep covering it, and I know you will as well. Anderson, have a great night, brother. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Multiple stories are breaking on our watch, okay? First, I have more evidence for you tonight that the party of Trump really has no shame in their game, and they are lying to you about their belief or their suggestion that January 6th is being overhyped. It was a terror attack on the citadel of our democracy. And the Justice Department wants you to know that. They are releasing never-before-seen body cam and surveillance footage that shows exactly what happened. You tell me if this looks like people on a tour, if this just looks like angry patriots, if this just looks like nothing compared to what you saw with Black Lives Matter. Take a look. Now, look, let's deal with two obvious things, okay? When a white guy says to a cop, I'm sorry, buddy, you're going to have to kill me if you want me to move. You know, it's in the middle of chaos. They move. Black guy says the same thing. You would have the party of Trump going crazy on you about how serious it is. But I just want you to see the game that's being played, okay? This is the reality. These Trump supporters, misguided, lied to individuals, came there looking to kick ass, and that's what they did. And they wanted to do worse, and these same men and women kept them from doing it. And you would never see the members of that party in Congress mitigating, playing down anything like this if it didn't play to their advantage or disadvantage, depending on how you look at it. The federal judge who handed out the first sentence to one of the rioters today talked to lawmakers who were trying to rewrite history. And the guy is a conservative judge appointment, Judge Royce Lambert. I don't know what planet they were on, he said. Utter nonsense is what he called it, to call these people tourists walking through the Capitol. That's a conservative judge who hasn't been co-opted by something corrupt in the name of Trump. This is the reality, and this is what you need to see, and you need to hold them to account for playing a game. Meanwhile, 24 hours after the party of Trump tanked the most expansive voting rights bill in generations, saying, we won't even debate it. We won't amend it. We have no ideas because there's nothing to fix, even though all these Republican states are saying just the opposite. However, there may be progress nonetheless. President Biden may be close to a legislative victory on infrastructure. 
Breaking tonight, there is agreement, we are told, on a bipartisan deal, according to Senators Romney and Manchin. Listen. Republicans and Democrats have come together uh, along with the White House, and we've agreed uh, on a framework, and we're going to be heading to the White House tomorrow. Is it a done deal? No. But it is getting there, according to a source. Look, the Democrats are going to have problems with the progressive slash left slash fringe part of their party. Okay, because this does not have our understanding is a lot of what they wanted in terms of revenue offset and generating in terms of taxing the rich and a lot of things that they call infrastructure that traditionally people would not. But they do say they have an agreement with the White House and 10 senators. Manchin and Romney both said it's fully paid for and offsets the new spending. Now, that's different than having additional revenue from additional tax increases to have additional spending. Remember, This is a broker deal. It's not what you are used to hearing about. It's not going to be as big. So what happens if a deal is not finalized ahead of a two-week Senate recess? Probably nothing. Or will Democrats try to go it alone? Let's turn to someone who knows the state of play. The chair of the Senate Rules Committee, key Democrat Senator Amy Klobuchar, Minnesota. Good to see you. Thanks, Chris. It's just great to be on. I remember being on your show on infrastructure early on when I put my plan out in the presidential campaign. And here we are again. Um, I think it is really, really important uh, to move on infrastructure. I'm glad that the bipartisan group have been working together and working with the White House. And at the same time, remember, uh, there's a second effort going on, and that is about human infrastructure and things like child care and making sure there's adequate funding for housing. And my view of this is you can do both things at once, but we need some general agreement on both things to move forward uh, because they're equally important. And I'm glad that they're making progress. So let's simplify this for the likes of me. So there are two paths here. Uh, The Democrats, especially the left wing of the party, wanted it all in one. Is it your understanding that the deal that we're hearing from Manchin and Romney are really just on one aspect of this, not the child care and the other things? Okay, Chris, I know it doesn't make for good TV, but there's three paths. There's all in one, yes. There's just doing the infrastructure that they're talking about. But there is a third path. And the third path is allowing this bipartisan effort to go forward and at the same time having a general agreement on a second package that would use reconciliation. um, And that that way we could make sure that we are focused on things like broadband. And I lead that bill. I'm so glad they put significant funding in for broadband so we can get have access regardless of your zip code in this country but also we have a second track going on through reconciliation to me that is the third path that makes the most sense so your understanding is that what romney and mansion uh the bipartisan one is really just let's call it traditional roads and bridges uh the wi-fi and infrastructure that i agree with you by the way is every bit as important as infrastructure no, no the wi-fi is in their package so I wi-fi believe. is in the package they're talking about Mm-hmm. Okay, and and things like ports and waterways. Right, it's more traditional infrastructure, including broadband. But okay. there are other things this nation needs right now. Anyone that had uh, trouble getting childcare during the pandemic right. knows exactly what I'm talking about. But that is not subject to this deal. And you say it may be a path of reconciliation. But do you have any reason to believe uh, that the conservative Democrats, um, you know, let's call it Mansion et al., you know, maybe Cinema, maybe Tester, maybe one more? Is there any agreement that they would do reconciliation on that second bill? 
I think they will, and that's what we need to negotiate. They've done this once before, mm -hmm. and they are open to this, and I think we need to go hand in hand here, maybe not dot every I and cross every T, but have some general agreement on the funding, and I think we can do that at the same time. Okay, we'll see on that. This is... Um you know, some good sign of progress. We'll see if it gets it nailed is. down. We'll see the pushback from your brothers and sisters on the farther left flank, especially in the House, about this. Now, let me ask you quickly about the video we had at the top. Yes. What do your brothers and sisters on the right side of the aisle tell you in private? You know, don't give their names, obviously, but how do they justify being quiet or selling the tripe that this is just tourists taking a tour and this is not so bad and it's being overhyped? How do they justify it in private? Well, first of all, in private, they say things that are very similar to what they said that night, uh, that this was an invasion of the Capitol, an attack, an insurrection. Um, and what bothers me is the necessary things we have to do right now. Not all of them are happening. We should have an independent 9-11 style commission. And I'm glad we did our report that was focused on changes we need to see to the leadership of the police, to the line officers um, get the respect they deserve if we ever would have anything like this happen again. And so we make improvements. Secondly, uh, we should be supporting the efforts of the Justice Department. Uh, we should be doing extensive work on the rise of white supremacism. And that could be, of course, part of this 9-11 style commission on what happened on January 6th. All of that should be happening. And it was Ron Johnson in my committee hearing um, that literally said that I was chairing at that moment uh, that literally said, uh, diminished this and said they were just out for fun and, you know, going down the uh, going down, quoting someone saying this, where he clearly was sending the message uh, that he didn't take this seriously. Anyone that was here, my staff that was in a closet in the Capitol with a fork in their hand um, as they heard the insurrectionists going through the door only yards away from them. The police officers, many of whom you have interviewed, Chris, including the officer um, that was called the N-word multiple times and turned at the end uh, to another officer and said, is this America? Ask them what really happened. They'll tell you what happened. This was an all-out attack, and I'm glad the Justice Department is strongly pursuing these charges, and I know there's more to come. One other thing, how do you get a deal on infrastructure? But you can't get the same hearts and minds to get a deal on protecting voting rights in this country. Okay, that's the third one. And that is the, when you look at our democracy, as I said at the inauguration, it is the moment where we basically brushed ourselves off, stood up, and moved forward. Well, part of that moving forward is passing the torch on to understand that this is also about our elections and our democracy. 22 laws have now been passed in states across the country limiting the right to vote since the last election, with more to come. The governor of Texas just calling in for a special session uh, to once again force those legislators uh, to try to do something which is inconceivable to me, uh, to making it harder to do early voting and hurt people who have disabilities from voting. That's what's happening now. And that is why when they blocked us from voting on that package, I thought it was one of the saddest moments for our democracy. They literally wouldn't even let us debate it for a week or three days or even a day. They stopped the debate. But 
for your viewers out there that care about democracy, Democrats, Republicans, independents, I can tell you we're not giving up. I'm taking the Rules Committee. Uh, we're going to have a field hearing in Georgia because maybe if we get out of this place uh, and people start listening to people who stand in line for 10 hours and then aren't allowed to be given water and food by volunteers, maybe that's going to change some hearts and minds. At the same time, we've got to work on changing the filibuster. I would abolish it. I have come to that decision after seeing all of the gridlock and all of the inability to move on the important issues of our time, like immigration reform and climate change. And we are just not giving up. And that's why I just, that's the most important thing for people to know. You, no one should give up on our democracy. Thank you very much, Senator Amy Klobuchar. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chris. All right, more breaking news. One of the world's biggest pop stars is fighting to get quote, her life back. Now, I don't cover entertainment, and you've never heard me say the words Britney Spears before, but this isn't just about some pop star. Um, this is a real legal battle that's going on. This conservatorship that is present in her life demands explanation. This is very, very rare, what has been done to Britney Spears. I understand this area of law very well, and in truth, I've never seen anything like this exactly. She's lived under more than a decade of being told what to do by her daddy, forced to perform, drugged against her will, mandatory birth control, kept from having relationships. This is what she says. Very disturbing as a matter of law. And then we get to the fact that it's Britney Spears and wait until you hear what she told the judge today. We have her former lawyer next. Britney Spears says she's fighting to get her life back. Her words, as she spoke remotely to an L.A. County courtroom today, uh, before saying, after this, I want these proceedings to be private. The conservatorship, it's an unusual word. It does exist in the law. It's usually for the mentally disabled or the elderly and disabled. Sometimes there can be a limited one. Often they are full, but I've never heard of one like this. Her father, Jamie Spears, and others have controlled her estimated $60 million estate since 2008. That's 13 years ago. Now, you'll remember, she did suffer a mental health crisis. Was she adjudicated mentally ill? Was there any kind of due process to have her removed of her rights to run her own choices? So this was reawakened in our public consciousness because of a documentary that was released this winter, shined a light on this guardianship, this conservatorship, fueling a movement to, quote, free Britney, unquote. It raised very serious concerns, which the 39-year-old spoke about in court today. Spears called her conservatorship abusive. She said she's traumatized, not happy, can't sleep because of it. She alleges she was put on lithium, a medication, obviously, against her will. It's about uh, emotional or mood dysregulation. Uh, it's a very strong drug. She also revealed that she wanted to have another child and that she is right now on a form of contraception called an IUD, and she wanted to take it out, but the team won't let her go to the doctor to do so. And she says she was told, we don't want you to have any more kids, and we don't want you to get married. Now, this is a very interesting legal question. This is about best interests of this individual. This is about whether or not she has been found mentally fit or not. So 
what's going to happen here and how did we get here? Joining us now, Brittany Spears, former attorney, Adam Streisand. Good to see you, Counselor. Thank you. Good to see you. Nice, nice to have been reached out to. Thanks. Uh, to your understanding, was Ms. Spears ever adjudicated mentally ill or was she ever found by a court to be non-compass mentis or, you know, to the, to the uninitiated, uh, not competent mentally to run her own affairs? You know, the proceedings have been closed and sealed, which raises an important question as to why. But I don't think so. As far as we know, she never was adjudicated as being mentally incompetent. Um, and, it, you know, look, you and I can't decide on this program what, if any, problems Brittany has. But what we can decide is there's been a terrible miscarriage of justice. She has really been deprived of her rights, and particularly because she's never had anyone who's advocated for her. She's got a court-appointed lawyer who clearly has not advocated for her. He's supposed to be a zealous advocate for her. And you'll, rec you'll remember at a prior hearing, the judge asked, well, what does Britney Spears think about this right. conservatorship? And he said, well, Your Honor, uh, she's like a comatose patient who uh, can't even sign a piece of paper to say what she wants. Well, Britney blew that out of the water today. And is that your understanding as well, that uh, she's had her ups and downs, she's had struggles with mental health, um, but that she is not some vegetable or non-compass mentis, meaning not able to think for herself and do for herself? Yeah, it's really fascinating because, look, when I met with her a couple of times and we spoke on the phone when she retained me, I thought she was making sound judgments. Clearly there were issues, but she was making some sound judgments. She understood that she had these, these issues, that a conservatorship, at least on a temporary basis, might, might come to pass. The one thing that she was clear about was that she did not want her father to be in control of her life. And what we've seen in court documents that have been leaked to the New York Times in the last couple of days, and certainly in her statements today, is this is not somebody who is so non-compassmentous that a conservatorship should be appropriate. Yeah, That's I mean, look, sometimes with kids, You'll see this minors or again, uh, severely mentally disabled and adjudicated as the same or elderly and past the point of being able to run your own affairs. I can't find an analog that's anything like this Britney Spears situation. She's going to be 40. Um, and, you know, you hear these rumors about, well, she's not all there. That's not the standard. That takes us to the father. What is your understanding uh, about his good faith in this situation? about Jamie, Jamie Spears, I think there are real questions about it. I think there are real questions about whether he is simply trying to control his daughter for his own profit. He's profiting enormously, as are everyone who's involved in this, profiting from, from uh, Brittany. While Brittany, by the way, is not even allowed to see what's being filed in court. Uh, it, it, it is really uh, unprecedented. So what is the standard necessary for Britney Spears to undo this legal arrangement. Right. So she's got to show that she's able to manage her affairs or that she's, she can resist undue influence. But the key also is under law, you cannot have a conservatorship except as a last resort. In other words, if there's any less restrictive means of being able to help her, to protect her, a conservatorship can't stand. And the judge has an independent duty to, to, to review that and to terminate it. And certainly her lawyer, when, when, when she says to, to her lawyer, I want this thing over, he, he can give her advice, but it's go time. 
you go and you seek to terminate the conservatorship. And in 13 years, he's never done that. So why didn't you do it? And why aren't you still with Britney Spears? I didn't do it because when I showed up in court after, after Britney retained me, the judge refused to allow me to represent her. Under California law, the law says if the conservatee or the proposed conservatee is unable to retain counsel, the court can appoint counsel for her. It's really unclear what that means, unable. Is she unable to articulate who she wants to be her counsel? But didn't you say, I've been retained, here's the, you know, here's the proof I, of I that? Said, here I've, been I've been retained, but the judge said to me, Mr. Streisand, I have a medical report from Dr. James Edward Spar that says that she is mentally incapable of retaining you. I'm not gonna show you that report, but I'm telling you that she's mentally in incapable based on the evidence I have. But she was not adjudicated as such. There she is no court finding. This was just the judge relying on a single opinion about her. Exactly. Now, look, could I have tried to obtain a, another opinion that contradicted Dr. Spar? By the way, Dr. Spar is one of the leading geriatric psychiatrists right. and the head of the National uh, of the uh, Neuropsychiatric Institute at UCLA, very highly regarded, right? So let's assume that I got another opinion. Well, which opinion do you think the judge was going to believe? I didn't want to make it about me. If the judge had questions about why I was being involved, who was re who was uh, behind me being uh, involved, okay, appoint a, appoint a lawyer. I'm not the only lawyer around, but this lawyer has really fallen down on the job. Adam Streisand, thank you very much. I appreciate this. Again, you know, it's, it finds its home in a major celebrity's life that people are very interested in. But this is a legitimate legal issue. I've never seen anything like it. This is not what conservatorship was meant for. And it is what our legal system is supposed to be able to distinguish. This is really weird what's happening. And it is worthy of our attention. Now, there is another legal case, very different, also very worthy of attention. A high school cheerleader has just taught us something about this Supreme Court. She certainly got a lot to cheer about, even though a lot of people may not like how she cheers. She just got the Supreme Court to say, yep, she can curse until her face is blue and you can't do anything about it, high school. Hmm. I thought it was so conservative. This is a great indication of what conservative means when it comes to jurisprudence versus politics. We'll talk to her about what this means next. The Supreme Court taught us something about itself. It's the last couple of decisions. It's going to be strong in the First Amendment, regardless of whether it's conservative or liberal in its disposition. So this school cheerleader, a case underscores this First Amendment right. The case first began in 2017. 14-year-old Brandy Levy failed to get a spot on her high school's varsity cheerleading squad. While off school grounds, I emphasize those because they were dispositive in the court's finding, meaning that's what mattered, off school grounds. She and a friend sent out a Snapchat to about 250 friends. Their middle fingers were raised and the post was loaded with F-bombs, F-school, F-softball, F-cheer, F-everything. School officials soon learned of it, suspended Levy from cheerleading for a year. It is now four years later. 
the decision of SCOTUS, eight to one, that the Pennsylvania school went too far when it punished Levy for an off-campus rent. Brandy Levy joins me now along with Witold Vic Valsak. Uh, it is good to have you, Mr. Volshak. Appreciate you. Uh, and Thank you. Brandy Levy, your life has moved on. You are now in college, but this mattered. And when it happened, did you think that it was something that the school could police when you went on Snapchat with your friend? When, when all of this first happened, I sat in my room after and I thought to myself, how they were able to do that since I wasn't on school grounds and not once did I use the school's name specifically in the post. Mm -hmm. Now, we know about other things about how culture is evolving in high school. Like if you were bullying somebody else or that kind of stuff, schools can be more aggressive about it. But that's not what this was. What did it mean to you when the Supreme Court eight to one decided, no, you can't go after her for her free speech You know, whether her parents liked it, whether it's how you want to be heard by people or not, you had a right to say it. What did it mean to you? I mean, it meant a lot that the Supreme Court ruled in my favor and it was, I feel like it wasn't only a win for me, but it also was for 50 million other students because I was frustrated at the time. I was 14 years old and I expressed my frustration the exact same way teenagers do today. And I feel as if young people need to have the ability to express themselves without worrying or being scared of being punished by the school. And we have have a two step test, right? Do you have the legal right to say it? And then is what you say right or wrong? When you found out about the decision today, did you take to social media and go off on an F-bomb laden rant? No. (laughs) Good. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Make your parents happy. Let me bring in your counselor for a second. Why does this matter, this decision? It's it's hugely consequential. Um, you know, the, the Supreme Court has never before ruled on school districts' right and authority to punish what kids say outside of school that may impact the school. Uh, schools have a lot more authority to regulate what kids say inside the school, which makes sense. But this is the first time they've ruled outside the school. And as Brandy says, this will impact 50 million students. And they rejected a very aggressive ask by the school here that they be given the same power outside of school to regulate what kids say inside the school. And the Supreme Court in an eight to one decision said, no way. Free speech is much more important. There are other interests at stake, the parents' rights, Kids need to have some place where they can speak freely and schools have an obligation to teach about the importance of free speech. And to do that, they need to model it and recognize that sometimes what kids say outside of school may be upsetting. And maybe upsetting is the key. People heard this and they thought conservative judges would say, well, cursing is, you know, that's that's bad value. You shouldn't be doing that. It's not how the law works. Um, Either you have the right to say it or not, whether people think it's right or like it. Very different determination. So is there any concern for you, Counselor, about what this could mean going forward? Yeah, so we think it's hugely helpful. And and look, this is not the last word on what the law is going to be about what young people can say outside of school. It is only the first word. 
But the Supreme Court set down a very important marker by saying that when schools regulate what students say outside of school, they've got a heavier burden to justify that. Mm -hmm. And they made a note of saying that if that speech involves political or religious topics, they have a, quote, heavy burden to be able to justify that. At the same time, I just want to be clear that the Supreme Court did not foreclose the possibility that schools could regulate certain categories of speech, like if it's bullying, right. cyberbullying, right. or harassment, or but there's a victim involved. But there's a victim right. exactly. involved, and the words are seen as taking active effect, meaning they have a damaging effect on the person that they're delivered to. Distinguishable in terms of fact. I know that was part of the argument uh, as well. Listen, uh, Counselor Volshak, thank you very much. I know this is important to the ACLU. And Brandy, you want to be a lawyer now? No, after what, I see, after what I've seen them do, I feel like it's a lot of work. Well, listen, it was an important thing, and you're young in life. Uh, but now you've had an impact and it's a good instruction that, you know, everybody's life can have meaning. I know that you don't want to be known forever as the F-bomb person, but having the right to speak freely in a society matters, even if people don't like it. Thank you for talking to us about tonight. Good luck with your life going forward. Counselor, appreciate you. All right. Next story. Thank President you, Biden. Absolutely. He is taking on the fact that crime is up. Deadly summer. Yes, crime goes up in summer. But is this really about summer? He has a plan to take on a surge in violent crime across the country. Is he going at what matters here? The why? The murder rate is soaring in lots of places, especially America's largest city, New York. A top NYPD veteran is here. Is this just about summer? Is this about the pandemic? Or is there a root to this crisis that we need to be honest about. Next. The director of the FBI was on the Hill today talking about the staggering rate that Americans are killing Americans. Listen. I think one of the causes uh, of the violent crime spike uh, are certain kinds of... um, prosecution practices. I think there's nothing more disheartening to a law enforcement officer uh, to see somebody that you worked hard to arrest promptly back out committing a crime again. Uh, There's enough people to go after the first time without the same person over and over again. He's talking specifically about a law in New York that you will see gathered under the idea of bail reform. So as we examine the surge in murders happening in cities across the country, let's focus on the nation's biggest city and one that I know very well politically, legally, and journalistically. Joining me now is former NYPD Chief of Department Terrence Monahan. Uh, good to see you, Chief. Thank you for joining us on Primetime. Good seeing you, Chris. Now, uh, as, I, uh, as I told you once before, uh, we don't fake the funk on this show. Uh, my brother is the governor of New York. Uh, He worked with the legislature, specifically um, the Democrats, specifically the progressive wing of the Democrats, to get bail reform. And the criticism now is that it went too far. And police are being blamed for not doing their jobs because of all the blue lives matter, black lives matter. And cop after cop tells me it's not true. And the stats show that arrests are being made, guns are being confiscated, but people are not being kept in jail. How big a reason for this reality is the law. 
100%. This is what's behind it. It's a combination. It's the law and it's the court system moving at a snail's pace right now because of COVID. It was not operating quickly. So with bail reform, people locked up with a gun were able to get out on the least restrictive bail. It didn't matter if that individual was dangerous or not. If they had a dangerous past, a judge could not use that in determining whether or not to hold this individual in. I think we're the only state in the union that does not give a judge discretion on dangerousness to keep an individual in. Right. So anyone out of jail, that is not a priority in a court system that is already overwhelmed because it really wasn't operating during COVID. So how so do you cases- how do you balance the two, Chief? Uh, just so it gives people some perspective. We just had uh, some reporting tonight on San Francisco. They're dealing with a similar dynamic, but their judges still have discretion. They've emptied the jails also. We do know that there has been a problem with people who can't make bail. They languish for months, sometimes even longer before they get a court date. That was wrong. The correction is, did the fix go too far? How much of this is pandemic, um, Chief, where the court system was backed up, people want to get rid of cases, and they couldn't keep people on the inside uh, because of, um, you know, worries about contagion? Absolutely. And those cases are no longer a priority. I'll give you some quick numbers in New York. We have 4,500 open gun cases right now. 3,600 of them have been indicted. 80 Five percent of those individuals are out on our streets right now. These are guys caught on a street with a loaded gun. That is the that is how you prevent shooting. You keep people who are willing to carry illegal guns out on your street. You make them accountable for what they do. Now, if the court gets back up to speed and there's no longer the uh, social distancing standards of putting people back inside, is that going to fix the problem? We don't know. We're going to have to see. You know, bail reform took place in January of uh, of last year and three months later, less than three months later, two and a half months later, we're into COVID. So we hadn't seen the uptick in violence. Actually, we started seeing the uptick in violence right after the protest. So there's you know, you have to add in the animosity towards police. Uh, a belief in, in some neighborhoods that police aren't a, a true authority and there are people willing to go against that authority. And then you start seeing the shootings go up, people arrested with guns coming right back out on the street. You know, if one gang member gets arrested with a gun and he's right back out, well, his opposition is going to say, ah, it's better for me to have a gun because it's more dangerous for me not to have a gun. But going to jail, getting locked up isn't really going to do anything to me. Assuming he even stays in there right now. Um, Quickly, before I let you go, if you could change one of these three tent poles in this dynamic, the noise about policing, uh, the uh, noise about the pandemic and how it slowed down the courts and getting rid of cases and the law, which one of them would you change? I'd change the law. I would give a judge discretion. Mm. Let them have some discretion and keep some dangerous individuals behind bars. We know it's a small percentage of people that do the violence. You keep that bad guy in, it sends a message to anyone else who may be willing to pick up a gun that, hey, there is a consequence for my actions. I'm trying to get the current mayor of New York City on to discuss this and why he is or is not in favor of this change. Um, we will stay on it because I think it matters. I agree with the men and women on the job and those who are in the prosecutor's offices who are telling me the same thing. Chief, your word is good as gold. Terrence Monahan, thank you very much. God bless you. I hope you're enjoying yourselves these days. 
Thanks, Chris. God bless. Be well. All right. Our next guest was arrested today on Capitol Hill. Reverend protesting the filibuster of the voting rights bill. What was he hoping to accomplish? Plus, the message inside Congress that Trumplican Matt Gates did not expect when he thought he was just going to take a cheap shot against the Pentagon brass over tackling systemic racism. It's not the first time he spoke first, thought second. Next. You see what happened uh, in Congress, the senior general in the U.S. military smacking down this Republican who was questioning the Defense Department's diversity efforts. Watch this. How should the Department of Defense think about critical race theory? Could I make a comment, uh, Secretary? I'm sorry. Well, I'm very limited on my time, General Milley. Well, I, I just want to make a comment. That the well, I know, but I've, 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 I've asked the question to Secretary Austin. I do think it's important, actually. Uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders now and in the future do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. Damn. Now, I show this to you not just because of the genius of the general making common points, but see the game for what it is. Gates and the other Trumpers want critical race theory to just be a foghorn. There are no more dog whistles. This is about the woke left making the white man pay for things. It's not what it is. That's the ugly side. Let's get the truth. Joining us now, Reverend William Barber, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign. Reverend, thank you for joining us. Thank you and amen to the general. My dad, an old Navy man, would would have loved to hear him say that just like that. Well, look. Uh, we need to hear it. We need to hear it from all corners. Uh, you didn't come here to talk about critical race theory. You talk, came here to talk about something that is a theory, which is that there is a very critical moment for race in this country, which is if you don't stop these laws from abridging the right to vote, and there's almost none of them that makes it easier to vote, you are going to take us back to 1960, 1961, 1962. It was worth getting arrested for you. What do you want people to know? 
Well, I want you to know, in a real sense, this is about the law. And you use that critical word, a bridge. Today, I wasn't the only one that got arrested. White people from West Virginia and Kentucky from and black people from the hood to the hollers came here, started in West Virginia last week by the hundreds, came here by the hundreds today to say, listen, <clears throat> S1 is what we want. 79% of even West Virginians want it. It sets minimum standards so that in our states, we've got minimum standards that these states have to abide by, and they cannot continue to abridge and undermine the right to vote. This is not just a black issue. It's not even Jim Crow pure, it's James Crow Esquire. Because when you start rolling back same-day registration, rolling back early voting, uh, uh, undermining uh, mail-in balloting, putting limits on people even being able to get water, uh, doing racist gerrymandering, class-based gerrymandering, you hurt black people, <clears throat> you hurt white people, you hurt uh, Asians, natives, uh, uh, Latinos, young people, and the disabled. And so that's why we came in moral fusion to say this should not even be an issue uh, the 15th Amendment is the law of the land. No one has the right, no state, to abridge or deny the right to vote. We need um, same-day registration. We need early voting. We need people to be able to vote freely and fairly. And so the people led us today. And they said since Manchin and, and, and McConnell wouldn't answer them for a meeting, they wanted a meeting with their religious leaders and, and, and voting rights lawyers, and they said we're willing to put our bodies on the line. This is this is not optional. This is not optional. We cannot have voter suppression in this country, and especially when we know the voter suppressors are the same ones that suppress us passing $15 living wage. They suppress health care. They suppress infrastructure that reaches all the way down and lifts up poor communities. And they end up hurting the 140 million poor and low wealth people in this country the most and the 65 million poor and low wealth people who are eligible voters in this country, nearly 30% of the electorate. And they wanna make sure that people in schools, maybe even just college, get to learn how it's all connected and it is a part of systemic inequality. Reverend William Barber, I respect you for fighting the good fight, and that's what it is. Be well, God bless, we'll be right back. Thank you for the opportunity to be with us tonight and to get after it. It is now time for the big show, Don Lemon tonight and the big star, D. Lemon. As I saw you start your broadcast earlier and you said there is lots of big news going on, and there is. We have lots to talk about. We gotta talk about crime, we have to talk about what you were just talking about. But I tell you, a really big story today is Britney Spears. Britney Spears in court. Not often do you get a star that big um, being as candid and as open. I'm traumatized, traumatized. I've told the world I'm happy and okay, but I'm traumatized. I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It is insane. She said that she was forced to use birth control against her will. She wants her father out, and she wants out of that conservatorship. I... I don't know where we go from here, but this is certainly something that we should be paying attention to. Where does the conservatorship end and autonomy for Britney Spears, a fully grown woman, begin? At a finding that she uh, can be in charge of her affairs and uh, she will not be susceptible to undue influence. Mm-hmm. And this, ha- this is, I- I've never seen another one of these, by the way. Yes, it's Britney Spears. Uh, But to me, the issues are more interesting uh, than the person involved because kids get this. 
Yeah. The elderly Which does bring light to it and attention. Oh, yeah. Good. So that's yeah. why we're talking about it. Yeah. But the elderly disabled get this. Right. A men- an adjudicated mentally ill person gets this. Not a 40 year old person mm-hmm. who can speak for themselves and act for themselves. I know she's had problems, but this isn't even a limited conservatorship. It's complete. So what happens next is her getting a day in court where this doctor's finding that she is non-compass mentis, meaning that, you know, her mind doesn't work. She can't be in charge of her own affairs is not accurate. Mm-hmm. It's got to be litigated. I believe she will win. And then it's what choices she makes in her life. I hope that she's OK and I hope that she does win. And I hope she's able to um, be the Britney Spears that she the person that she wants to be, especially with her with her kids and with her entire family. But I think it's also important, Chris, you know, how, how you and I talk about mental health and taking the stigma off of mental mm-hmm. health. There should be no stigma on mental health. Um, you know, everybody, everyone in this country went through a traumatic year or 14 months or however long, still going through it. Some people can't, or some people are having trouble with re-entering into society. And you can certainly understand we should give people some time. But uh, I, I hope that this works out not only for Britney Spears, but it helps to take the stigma and lifts the veil on mental health in this country so that we can all talk about it openly and people can actually get the help that they need. Is that too much to ask? No, but we also have to be straight about it, which is you can be mentally ill and in charge of your affairs. Amen. Like 99% of people who are mentally ill. You know, the mentally ill are much more likely to be victims of violent crime than perpetrators of it. So if you're depressed, it doesn't mean they're going to take all your stuff. Um, This is about whether or not somebody is so ill. It's like, yeah, I have cancer, but I'm still working versus Mm -hmm. you're in the hospital on a chemo drip and it's not going to end well. That's what a conservatorship is for. That's nowhere near where she is by all reckoning, including by her former lawyer that we had on the show tonight. So this ain't about her being mentally ill. So you got to lose everything because everybody's crazy if they're mentally ill. No. This is a good way to take that down if she can make the showing in court. There are lots of different things that you can, you know, that you can, um, you, you can as far when it comes to mental illness, right? Look at what's happening with uh, the tennis player. Uh, all sorts of things. And, and it can come in different forms. But, yes, you can be in charge of your life. You should, if you should be on medication, you, sh- you do that. If you need therapy, talk therapy, psychotherapy, you should be able to do that. But you know what I think everyone should be able to do, and that's talk just like we do. And we do it not only here, but also on The Handoff. The Handoff, which is available on Apple Podcasts. It's Chris and I talking very candidly, even I think more openly and candidly than we do on this Handoff We went deep on this one. We did. The one that we we just did that's coming out. We went deep. We did. We talked about crime. We talked about history. We talked about um, what? uh, We talked about Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Uh, We talked about uh, the Supreme Court and uh, where the line is between religious liberty and a secular society. And we talked about, most importantly, I think you guys will love this most. Please let us know. Um, Let him know more on social media than me. Is what is family about? Yep. What goes into the, the decision of whether or not to have kids? What's the up? What's the down? Uh, and you heard it from one wizened old parent, me with the three kids, wouldn't go to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, and about Don, who's thinking about sticking his toe in the pool. Yeah. Uh, it's deep, but it's real. Yep. So a little secret before I go in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, with Chris this weekend for Juneteenth, um, they're great parents. 
but they don't often feed their kids, so their kids end up hanging out with me to have lunch. <laughs> you know, if it weren't done, I would have been embarrassed. Because first of all, I swam over to his boat first to mooch a little bit of food. But my son went over to his and boat. ate half of the boat. And I could see on the faces of Don's guests that they were a little, like, kind of like uncomfortable with how much this kid was eating. And then I don't even think he said thank you. He just like jumped just off the boat back and said, oh, it was, by the way, it was uh, like can, a seal yeah. got on the boat. Can I have one of those ice cream sandwiches for me and my four friends? Like, yeah, sure. Take it, Mario. You are a good uh, uncle. Dave. I got to go. And thank let's you be honest. A little less food ain't going to kill you. <laughs> Nor you, fatty. Thank Please. you very much. I love you, Dean Lemon. I love you too, sir. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max. A new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call me country. Beyonce and Nashville's renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.